0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Canadian Gamers, I think it is, that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it is. Episode 84, which is crazy. You might have been wondering why we didn't do our regular Canadian Gamers, Nintendo Fanboys, and so on and so forth. And that's because there's been a buttload of uh, Nintendo-related stuff going around. We had that uh, Switch event, and we wanted to talk about Dragon Quest and a whole bunch of Pokemon news and so on and so forth. So we just had um, a lot of Nintendo stuff happening, and actually, we're going to actually start by talking about, uh, most likely, some Nintendo stuff. Because as always, what have you been playing, good sir?
1: I have been playing only one game lately, and that's Dragon Quest VIII. And the problem with that is that I've 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 started a series called Battle Mondays, and I need to play more Pokemon in order to be able to supplement that series, but having trouble playing Pokemon lately, It's there's not much motivation, because I don't know anyone playing it, and most people online actually stop playing the game too, so it's it's hard to find people, man. It's a hard it's a hard knocks life. Did
0: you ever um get in contact with that dude that ditched you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a battle with him. Uh all, however it was a really, really rushed battle because he ditched me once and then he came back but was fifteen minutes late and I had told Elizabeth that the battle would be at five and we were leaving for supper at like five thirty. And the battle happened at 5.30. So I had a very angry girlfriend, rightfully so, when that battle happened. So I made some pretty questionable plays. And also, I could not bring a certain Pokemon which was integral to my team. Because for some reason, right now, Game Freak or the Pokemon Company won't let you use Pokemon that you transfer from Red, Blue, Yellow. In online battles, if they don't have a move set that's learnable in Generation 1. So, for instance, Blastoise can learn moves like Rapid Spin and Dark Pulse now, but those moves didn't exist in Generation 1. So if you try to bring your Blastoise that you transfer burn red and you teach him those moves, he won't work online. So that completely removes the point of transporting in PokeBanks since all of the Pokemon from Red, Blue, Yellow all of those Pokemon are catch, catchable in Omega, Ruby, Alpha, Sapphire, and X and Y and those games are compatible with Pokemon and Banks so I don't get this. I, I, I think this is a glitch right now or a bug that they will fix later. I hope so because this is this made me like stop playing the game. I just did not have fun or did not Feel like creating new teams because I cannot use these Pokemon because the Generation One move sets are garbage. So there's what's the point in there? So that's just a little uh, tidbit of info right there that this that that's frustrating me right now. As we're recording this on a Friday, this will go live on a Sunday, and right now I don't have a battle to show for Monday. I don't have anything as I have not played anything but Dragon Quest in a while. So we'll see how that goes. And also, remember in August, Macari gave me a laptop. Yep. I've managed in that short span to make that laptop completely unusable. Good. I don't know what's happening to it. it. I think it has something to do with when Microsoft decided to upgrade it on its own. Because since then, it's been giving me issues. But now, it's barely unusable. Like, I powered it up before... Try and like I could not even use the mouse because it it, it kept loading stuff, loading stuff like it was super slow and jam that I could not get to uh, select something, and it has a touch screen on it and even that I could not do anything. So I am terrible with computers, but I would really, really appreciate it if I could find someone to fix this because I don't want to use my girlfriend's laptop all the time because it's also not especially a top-of-the-line laptop, was it's missing some keys because Elliot decided to destroy it. So it's not the best possible scenario for us to continue to record podcasts, but at least it works. So we'll see how it goes. But right now, I'm frustrating with computers in general, man. These things are so complicated. And I know for you they're not because you're like, you know how these things, and for the general public I guess too, but for someone who doesn't know shit about computers, it's so frustrating too. To make the, to make them execute simple, simple tasks,
0: uh yeah, that's messed up. it sounds uh, I mean I'd have to know exactly like you know what's what's up, um, but I feel you it's frustrating and it's certainly frustrating. Um, what people don't know is that when stuff happens to my computer here right now, I don't have a backup anymore. My backup computer is gone, so if that were to happen with me, well, there goes all our videos, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no way, and it can happen at a moment's notice, you know? One component stops working, or like you said, Microsoft updates Windows, and it causes some sort of compatibility issue, and I actually had that problem, remember, with um, um, whatever it was called here, that software that I was using, and it was taking like five hours in order to uh, render a single video, so I was like, well, there goes the YouTube channel, because there's no way. Like, I need the videos to render quickly. So if I lived by you, it would be a hell of a lot easier. I could reformat the computer and reinstall Windows, because chances are that's the problem.
1: Yeah, probably. Like, the, the, the thing is, when we used to do our podcast, like, last podcast we did, like, for five minutes, I could not hear you, because the computer would just... I don't know how to say it in English, but would just, like... uh I would just hear sounds like, like when the TV is, uh, is uh, black and white and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it's like that, white that, noise
0: is what it's called. Yeah,
1: that's that's all, all I would hear. And it seems that it says something like a Dolby program needs to be reinstalled or something like that. And that could explain the noise. But at that time, at least, I could navigate and do stuff. Now I can't do anything. So it... I'll see if I, I... I have a few buddies here who know a lot about computers, so maybe they could fix it. Well, yeah, man.
0: Go ahead, man. Those, if, if people know enough about computers, like, go ahead. They don't have to be wizards, they just have to know more than you.
1: <laughs> well, my two-year-old son knows more than me about computers, so that shouldn't be a problem.
0: Exactly. I think he... he you got this, man. You got this. So, okay, well, since you've been playing Dragon Quest... Why not mm-hmm. talk a little bit about it, say how far you are, if you still think it's the worst game ever, no, no, I'm kidding, but to see, um, you know, what your updated impressions are. For those that don't know, we did discuss this. Did we discuss it two times in a row now, or just in the last podcast?
1: No, just in the last Fanboys, because it wasn't released uh, prior okay. podcast, because we do one every two weeks, and we've been pretty good at this, so... So good, go ahead, man, on you. tell the world. Uh, just a little, before I start, I don't know, I... I don't know if this happens to you. Always. I call, I call this kind of like a mini gaming depression. And it feels like I'm I'm on one of those because I just cannot get in the mood to play anything lately. Like, you could get, get me Zelda Breath of the Wild today and I'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know what's happening. And I feel that's one of the problems I'm having with Dragon Quest VIII. For some reason, <laughs> I... I'm in the gaming depression, man. I'm depressed. Perfect. So I don't know what's happened. But I I think I'm twenty hours in now. I haven't oh yeah, I'm twenty two hours in now. And I'm almost at Baccarat, I believe that's called I, yesterday I found some kind of pawn with a wizard on it and he managed to restore the princess to her true self for like five and a half seconds. Yep. And he, talk, he told me where Baccarat was, which is the town I think I'm supposed to go next. So that's yep. cool. Uh, the, the issue I'm having with Dragon Quest VIII, it, and it's an issue that's totally not the game's fault, is that this game was meant to be played with random battles. And that's how I played it back in the day. And now you don't have random battles. And unlike Dragon Quest 7, it's super easy to avoid battles in Dragon Quest 8. Not, not only on the overworld, where on the overworld you can pro, you can go from town to town without encountering any monsters, just avoid them. Even in dungeons. In Dragon Quest Seven, the dungeons were made so that it was almost impossible to avoid anything. So it, it was almost like random battles, but a bit le- less frequent. So that was okay. But with Dragon Quest Eight, I was at a point where I was so underleveled that any encounter in the wild would almost kill me all the time and i did the exploit which i'll let you talk uh, about a bit uh, in a few and that made me up to a level but then eventually i'll be back at the same point because i'm i'm at a point right now where i'm avoiding everything because why would you go into a battle if you can avoid it it's just human nature so i I'm gonna be at the scenario where I'll have to do the export again. I'm not sure if the export will work or if I'm gonna go for, have to go for a stronger uh, metal monster, but it, it, it's a silly issue that I'm having with the game that right now, that's not its game fault because in the ideal world, you don't want random battles, so I guess this should be better. But for me right now, it's hindering my experience with Dragon Quest VIII for some reason. But I'm gonna to try to push through. Uh, still have like Breath of the Wild is in a few weeks, so hopefully I can beat it by by then. It's not, I don't think it's as long as seven, so I should be able to do so. It's just I have to, I have to push through and and not get uh, sidelined by all those side quests and stuff like that to give the game like a chance.
0: Very well said.
1: I'm so happy. Because you beat on the game, right
0: now? Uh, well, I, I beat the game a long time ago. Now, um, in terms of the the core game, I finished it a long time ago. Now, it's more um, it's more the the post game content. But first things first um, i was the ex- I was in the exact same situation as you um, when I got to duel Magus. Without spoiling the game for people. Um, I don't even remember where he is. He's around where you are. Uh, Like, you're going to have a little bit left to do. And, uh, again, I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say, when you get to Duel you're not at the end of the game. Okay? Let's just put it that way. Um, And when I got to Duel I was, like, level 20-something. I don't recall. And I got in there and the very first thing he proceeded to do was to wreck my face. Like, he just obliterated me. I, I didn't even get a chance to put in a command, you know what I mean? Like, I... well, that's a lie. I, I put in my first turn commands, and he just, just wrecked me completely. Like, total team wipe instantly. And um, that's my only registered death because after that I was like, well, I'm not going to lose ten thousand or twelve thousand gold when I die. Screw this. Uh, the thing is, um, now what I do is I, I've been, you know, I've been going to banks and stuff like that to put my money in, so I don't really care if I die. Uh, but I did the exact same thing. Okay, like you have to. I don't think you really have a choice. If you're gonna go through and. Um, and avoid fights, well, there you go. And it's like you said, man. In seven, yes, you could see the enemies, but I found that they were far more aggressive. Like, you could be... Like, their hip... Not hip box, but their aggression box or whatever was a lot larger than it is in Dragon Quest Eight. So in Dragon Quest Eight as the enemies are walking around, I just wait for them to turn their back to me and I just simply run by them. I don't, like, you couldn't do that, really, in the Dragon Quest Seven remake. Like, if you tried to do that, the little bugger would, like, instantly turn around and, and, you know, attack you. And I think that's the cause of all of this, is just that, is the fact that it, they made it a little bit too easy to run away from enemies. I mean, there's sections of the game where, literally, I just, I didn't fight a single a single... Enemy, I just literally ran through everything, and the last dungeon of the game is one of those things i I fought like maybe two battles in the entire thing and um, and that was that. so anyway, um I think that's the, the the core issue with that. Now, the good news for you is, yes, you're going to be fine because even if you like what did you level up to? Do you remember?
1: No another issue, though, is that I don't have any money because of that
0: yeah like I can't exactly buy
1: stuff. And since you you told me to not sell anything, to keep it for the alchemy pot, like I don't have money to buy anything right now because I'm not defeating monsters. So that's another possible okay. issue.
0: The good news with this is because again you're gonna you're running into the exact same thing that happened to me. So the good news is the exact same thing happened to me, which means I know a workaround. What have you unlocked right now? Do you have the like yours? You have the boat, right? Have you unlocked um uh neos i think it's how it's pronounced the tiger no the island where you go straight and you get uh, the mini princess whatever her name is something like that mini uh,
1: the the middle island
0: yeah if you go to the the if you go to that island um have you gone further straight In with the, the boat?
1: oh okay.
0: Because if you keep going beyond the mini metal island, it's it's. I think it's straight in a little south. I don't have my game here uh, to show you, but uh, I'll, I can tell you when we're offline. But if you do that, you're going to get to an island where you won't be able to do anything. Okay, like it's for later on in the game. But the enemies that are there during the day, it's filled with gold golems. Okay, if you take out one gold golem. You're guaranteed, I think it's 350 gold. Okay. So and, and they die really quickly. So all you have to do is use the same exploit that you use for your, um, your uh, metal slimes. You do the same thing for the golems, and except the golems don't run away. So you're guaranteed that you're going to get them killed immediately, so money is no longer an issue. Like, you'll be able to do it within 20 minutes of grinding. You'll have, like, 200,000 gold, you know?
1: Okay, yeah, that's yeah. an exaggeration. So I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to do that then after Baccarat or something because I can't like, buy the new gear anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly, exactly what I did. I'm exaggerating with the time. You have to grind a little bit longer than 20 minutes, but money won't be an issue. You'll easily be able to get 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. Not a problem. And the minute you unlock the casino, I'm, money will not really be an issue anymore. I'll show you. Uh, how to get, well, actually that's a lie, it's not really money, but you're going to get some of the best gear in the game. I'll show you an exploit how to do that. And Well, it's not really an exploit, it's just you're, like, I'll just show you how to win at the casino. And what I teach you in this game, you can use in every other Dragon Quest game that's ever released. So, giddy up. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, about the exploit, just for those that are playing the game, this is, uh, I discovered this pretty much on accident. It was a total accident. Uh, I was down by, if you play the game, you know that there's like a little chapel that's on um, the riverside, and there's a little bridge in front of it, and then there's some little house with a lady with a spinning wheel there. If you, like, zoom to that little chapel, then you, you cross the uh, little bridge, and you go in behind that house, you can basically follow a path to a beach. And on that beach, there's, uh, well, it's not really a beach, it's uh, just by the water, There's uh, a, it seems to be like a large concentration of metal slimes around there. And if you stand still, and you rotate the camera using the L and R buttons, you can reload the enemy that pops up on the screen. And if you continue to do that over and over and over again, eventually you're going to see metal slimes. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to always stand still. Like what I do is I do it a couple of times in one area, then I run a couple of steps forward and I do it again, you know, a couple of times. You're almost guaranteed that by the time you do, say, your fourth rotation, uh, you will have a metal slime that will pop up. And then you can just go touch it and fight it and good luck and keep going. Now, there are two other areas in the game that are phenomenal for this. One I'll tell you a little later on when you get closer to it, which is for liquid metal slimes. But those guys, you got to be guaranteed to hit six times, okay? Like they have 6 HP, 7 HP, around that. And I'll teach you how to do it. It's really, really easy. All you got to do is equip Angelo and the hero with the falcon sword and then use falcon slash and you're pretty much... or metal slash, rather... Um, and what it does is it hits twice, okay? So you'll you'll basically do one 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 right away. So I that's pretty.
1: With me, that metal slash with my hero sometimes does 2. Yeah, exactly, of exactly.
0: So what can end up happening is as you level up, you'll end up doing two 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 two, which is what? That's eight, which means there goes your metal slime. Boom! Congratulations, ten thousand exp. So that's why I said leveling up is not going to be an issue trust me it will not be an issue it's just it's annoying that we have to do this you know like you shouldn't have to do this the game should be designed in such a way where you know you can move along appropriately but i think it's like i said i, I honestly think it's that the enemies are just stupid like they they just let you run away and like run by them and they don't they're like ah, it's okay it's just steven it's all good man <laughs> So anyways, that's the exploit. Um, the best, best, best thing to do is right by the end of the game, you get to an island that I call the Slime Island. I'll teach you where that is. You have to unlock the God Bird. But uh, it's, it's the best. I mean, it's the absolute best. The island is filled with Metal King Slimes, uh, Liquid Metal Slimes, and Metal Slimes. And so, like, If you spend one hour, just one hour grinding, you'll probably jump 15 levels. And it doesn't matter what what level you're at. Like, it's crazy. Because just by a fluke, you will accidentally kill a Metal uh, King Slime. And there's 30,000 EXP right there. So that's what I did because... Well, because I'm going after the um, the post-game content. And so for my little updated impressions, uh, there's a couple of things that... Uh, I, when I played through the Japanese one, I didn't do everything because, well, I just didn't. I just wanted to experience what it was like, and that was that. So I finished the game and had fun, and then that was that. Uh, but with this one, I wanted to do, like, you know... I wanted to get my money's worth, and I know Zelda comes out in a little bit, and I want to go back to your gaming depression, okay? So I'm going to actually add that in as a topic. Because I like that. You raised a very interesting point, and I don't want to just gloss over it. So anyway, um... Um, they've changed quite a few things. If you've played Dragon Quest Eight before, you know that Dragon Soul is the hero's most powerful ability that unlocked in the original version at level 65. And why it was so important was because it allowed you to negate all evasion. I think it's evasion and armor. I know armor for sure, but I, I think or defense, rather, but I think it also did evasion. Anyways, it was guaranteed to basically maximize the amount of damage that the hero would do. And the the bonus content in the original game was the Altar of Wrath and was um, the Dragovian Trials. Now, the Dragovian Trials, for anyone that has never played them before, I would really recommend you play those. Yes, you could go on YouTube and watch all the content there, but it's not the same. Like, it's a really fun, um, almost like a side quest storyline for the hero. It gives the hero's full backstory. Now, if you've ever played through Dragon Quest games, you know that your hero typically has a very deep and fleshed out storyline. Like, we just played Dragon Quest Seven, and in Dragon Quest Seven, you know all about... The hero his parents uh, you know when he was first born it was a really rough day on the seas and all that kind of stuff but in this game the hero you really don't know much when you play through the main game it's only at the very end of the game that you start to hear about the chosen one and stuff like that i'm not going to spoil it for you but it really goes in depth on the main character so it's it's really it's really well worth playing now It's not easy, okay? Uh, You essentially have, if I recall correctly, it's seven dragons that you have to defeat. And then at the very end of it, you have the ultimate trial, which is you have to fight all of them simultaneously. Which is really freaking hard. But with Dragon Soul, it's a lot more manageable, it's still challenging. You can easily wipe the whole team in one move if you, if you screw up the order of how you do it. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole thing about this, but it really makes you have to play through the whole game. Like, you have to beat the Monster Arena, for example. You have to go and get um, the gear that's offered at the casino. So you have to master the casino in order to, like, you know, get the gear. And so on and so forth. And I really like that. I really like when a game sort of rewards you for going through all of this side content it's not just like oh well it's just side content that's there whoop-dee-doo you're like oh okay there's a reason why this side content is there it's to funnel me through to this uh, post-game content so i'm there right now i just finished everything i haven't played the game in days but i'm right there right now uh all of my characters are level 70 71 Around not all my characters. What am I saying my hero? I think is seventy one now. So I'm prepared. I just uh, got all the equipment I needed through the casino. I made all the best weapons that I can possibly make at this particular point in time. I did the altar of Roth, and now I'm at the cave, just about to enter the trials. So I've got my monster team. I got both of them. I've got my defensive one, which is essentially three golems. And then I've got my backup one, which is a liquid metal slime, and then two healers. And the the beautiful thing with that is, in the event that the dragons wipe my party, okay, or like most of my party where I only have, say, like one enemy left, I'll switch out to the healer party and pray to God that before the dragon can kill them, that they resurrect the whole team and that's usually what will happen they'll resurrect the whole team they'll um you know they'll either get killed or two of them will get killed and then I'll bring back the heroes and wipe out the dragon then go heal and everything else and get ready for the next uh, for the next round so anyways that's what I've been doing I've been having another blast with it Really, uh, really enjoying the post-game content more than I remember enjoying it. Next, uh, I mean, last time around, and I'm really excited to try the one new dungeon that they introduced, which is called Memory Lanes, or no, sorry, Memory Lane or Memories Lane. Uh, and from what I've read online, it's supposed to be ridiculously challenging, even if you're in the like the '90s. Uh, apparently it's a lot of it is just 100% luck-based. If, if you make one mistake, uh, you basically you get a party wipe, and, and that's it. Then you have to start again uh, going through it. And what it is, is it's all of the bosses from Dragon Quest Eight, but soup to the max, where like there's one boss in particular, apparently, apparently, I haven't seen it myself, who hits in the multiple hundreds and can hit four times in a row. So if you're unlucky and he does a crit hit, which hits for 600 four times in a row, it doesn't matter if you're level 200, you're, you're dead. Because the maximum you can get your uh, hit points is 999. So I'm really looking forward to, um, to trying that out. But first, I've got to go through the Trials of Doom, as I call them. So there you go. I'm done. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one thing... Um, that I wanted to ask you was what happened with the uh, fire emblem heroes, man?
1: Well, I wanted to ask you more because I, I, did you play it a lot? Did you, you probably played it more than me, but how many hours would you say you played it? Oh, hours
0: old. Oh, uh, uh, can you check? Is there a way to check that? No, I, no, just by a guest. Oh dude, I don't know. I, I played it for about three days uh, going to work. It takes fifteen minutes to go to work, so maybe an hour, maybe two? Okay. Something.
1: So you're still playing it?
0: I played it on the way home today. Okay. Uh the the thing well, I want you to talk. I've been talking for hours. Go okay. ahead.
1: Well I've deleted it from my phone. That's how I felt about it. Like I was really excited about this game, but then I realized that without any investment in the story and the characters like this is really gameplay that i don't want to play and it's like the game looks looks solid it's perfect for on the go gameplay and it's like good for mobile phones but it's just that since you need an internet connection and all that if i'm home I, i'd rather play on my 2DS and that's pretty much it like i and also like my internet connection is so bad that every time i tried to open the game there's always tons of loading and tons of downloading to do that it wasn't worth it for me so for what i played like i played i'd say for maybe an hour and every time i was at the the end i was just skipping the cutscenes. like i was i didn't matter what they had to say and then i just didn't feel invested in it because i've heard from people that some call it a pay to win and all that and that might be true but from what i played it looked like i could play the game for like 20 hours without having to spend a dime
0: yeah uh i'll let you know that's not actually right um and i'll explain why i just discovered it today too so it's pretty cool Uh, i'm glad we're having this little conversation so basically i'm doing the same thing i skip all the storyline. Uh, because there's grammatical errors, there's all kinds of, like it's ridiculous.
1: That's one thing, just before you go, I wanted to mention that they even got the translation name wrong for some of the games that were released here. That was like a huge turn-off for me, because that's like, they're, they don't care about the franchiser enough to even double check what Fire Emblem uh Radiant Dawn was called here or yep. Trail of the Blue Flame whatever it was called uh, Radiant I don't remember the GameCube name but they don't even have those names correctly so yeah, I mean, that was a big turn off for me
0: yeah no exactly I mean I, I'm not a mobile gamer at all right um, so coming home today uh, I knew we were going to do a Canadian Gamers so I thought oh well let's see If they've really, you know, done anything. And the answer was, uh, well, not that I noticed. So, here's the thing. As you play and you level up your characters um, and you, you beat story missions, you get orbs. Orbs can be used to summon new heroes. But it's totally random, the quality of the hero that you get. So, going to work this morning, I... I pressed the summon, and I had a couple... I think I had, like, eight orbs or something like that. And I um, I actually got my first five-star hero. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And now I understand why people are saying it's paid to win and stuff like that. Well, because guess what? The five-star hero is so ridiculously overpowered compared to everyone else on my team, she can basically go out on her own and just wreck face. Like, she just destroys everyone. <laughs> Um, but that's not the issue. The issue is the story mode is like level 5, level 6, level 7. It's it's increasing levels too too slow. So what's happening is now my team that I have, I have a team of four that uh, I liked using. I thought it was a well-balanced team, but they're not gaining any experience whatsoever anymore from playing the game. Because the quote-unquote normal mode is, is too low level. So if you tap where it says normal, you can switch it to hard. And this is where I went, well, there goes all enjoyment of this game. Because in order to play hard mode, or lunatic mode, which is the next the next uh, higher difficulty setting, your stamina goes from... Stamina is what allows you to continue to play. And I believe you have 45 or 50 or something like that, okay? Um... Normal mode each level is like four. Something like that. Like really low. Three, four, two, something something silly. So that's why like you're saying you could in theory play for hours because by the time you 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 know, you, you progress, you're gonna pretty much you're you're going to have enough stamina to keep playing for a while. But now I realize guess what happens when you put it on hard?
1: It gets harder?
0: <laughs> it requires ten stamina to play the level.
1: Okay. Well, I don't even. I didn't even notice my stamina lowering, so I, I didn't play for enough. Like you, you said, you had eight or left. I have like fifty something. So.
0: No, yeah, but anyway, so that's the idea, man. So basically, what happened was I, I had to stop playing on the bus. It's a fifteen-minute ride home, man and in 15 minutes i had spent all of my stamina okay. and i got a message that they're like oh you can buy more i'm like yeah okay or you could use these crystals and stuff like that i'm like yeah yeah okay all right whatever see like that sort of stuff i'm not a fan of i don't like that kind of crap but if you would have
1: theoretically stayed on normal could you have played longer
0: i could have but my characters aren't gaining any experience so what the hell's the point in playing
1: yeah but eventually you'll reach a point where the level should match, right? I don't know.
0: That's my point. Like, I find this ridiculous. Like, the same characters that I started the prologue with are now so overpowered that they just stop gaining. I haven't done anything. I didn't switch teams. I haven't done anything. It, it, like, I'm like, okay, hey, that would never happen in, in a portable or even a console release of Fire Emblem. That would never happen, where your team that started on level one, by the time you got to level 10, unless you grinded through the training uh, maps and stuff like that, there would be no way that they would be way ridiculously overpowered, your whole team sort of deal. Yeah, you may have one or two that are really strong, but, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to just like, that's it. Just because today I was like, well, this is stupid. Like, I, I don't want to play a story mode where I'm not gaining any experience. This is dumb. Yeah. Like, it seems stupid. So, anyway, that's it, man. Okay, perfect. Have a good... Uh, see you next <laughs> week, guys. <laughs> All right, so you had some news that you want to mention, and yeah, i got to get you to talk. I've spoken way too much here. People are already fed up of my voice. So, what was this thing you wanted to mention about South Park? The fractured
1: butthole. It's been delayed again. That's wow. pretty much it. But since we both enjoyed the stick of truth so much, I just thought we'd mention that because I believe that was our twenty fourteen game of the year or twenty fifteen, yep. I do not remember. But that was like a fantastic gem. And everybody's looking forward to the sequel, rightfully so, and it keeps getting pushed back. And I know the original got many delays, but is this a sign of trouble? Because apparently it's being co-developed by two different companies. And that's not usually a good sign.
0: Hmm. I don't know. Um. I, well, first off, the de- un- under normal circumstances, the delay wouldn't surprise me. Because didn't the original get delayed like a bajillion times? Yep. So that in and of itself, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. But, yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, but the original,
1: I believe, switched publishers, because I think... It did. Yeah, it did. THQ. Yeah, And then THQ went bankrupt. So, Ubisoft picked it up, I believe. So, that was a bit part of why the game was delayed so much. But this one was originally like, I believe, September something, 2016. Then it got an official release date of December 5th, 2016. And then it got pushed to whatever the date was, and now it's just got pushed again. Do we know to when? No, we do not know to when. It's just that the report said that it was supposed to be at the end of the first quarter or the last quarter or whatever, but I don't know when that quarter ends, but now it's been pushed back to the second quarter.
0: Yeah, I'm reading it right
1: now. It means that it's... I don't know.
0: It's It's actually worse than you think. According to Polygon... They have uh and I quote uh the foul mouth role playing game based on the long running animated series will now be released in Ubisoft's upcoming fiscal year, not financial, so that means um it will be released sometime between april twenty seventeen and march twenty eighteen
1: so there you go there there it's the game seems to be in some kind of trouble and That would be really a shame if we don't get a proper sequel to The Stick of Truth. Because if they release a game that's just merely okay, it won't do the original justice.
0: Yeah, I agree. But I've also heard that the creators there, what is it, Matt Stone and Trey Parker or whatever it is, um, I've heard that they are very... um, Uh, what is it? They're, they're very picky on, uh, on everything. So maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to see the good, you know, the good, uh, the good in this because I really wanted to, uh, I really want something awesome because the first one was amazing or as I would say, glorious. And it really was. Oh, yes, it was. So hopefully, fingers crossed that it's just the two the two of them you know, like uh being perfectionists and really wanting it to be awesome and not the fact that you know they're they're running into trouble. I really, really hope not, but hey, you know, we shall see, so I want you to talk a little bit more about that gaming depression thing because you you really i think I'm actually gonna label this, do you suffer from gaming depression because it's not the, the the catchiest title, but it might make people go, what the hell is gaming depression? Because what you said there earlier, I thought was really, really interesting. And I, I have gone through that myself where periods of time where I'm just like, I don't just don't feel like playing anything. Like, I don't want to do anything, you know? Like, I'm going to watch some TV, I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to uh, go for a walk with Serena, we'll go, you know, whatever. We'll just, we'll do something. I'm just not in the mood. I'm not currently, currently I'm in an RPG fix. I think the last eight months or something crazy, all I've done is played one RPG after another, after another, after another. But uh, this has happened to you a couple of times, no?
1: Yeah, it has, but now I, it's come out of nowhere. Because last, like, September, when Dragon Quest Seven was released, I don't remember what I played before, DQ7. But, like, I played DQ7 and completed that in, like, two weeks. And I was on a timeline because Pokemon, I wanted to be done before Pokemon. And then I completed Yo-Kai Watch 2, and, like, even last time, I know Yo-Kai Watch 2 is, like, a 10- or 15-hour game, but still, like, I had a blast playing those. And then Pokemon... Mm-hmm. Sun and Moon arrive, and I played that game at midnight, had it on my 2DS pre-installed, and I had a week week off work for that game. It was a coincidence, but that was amazing. So I played, I think, 70 hours of that game in a week, and now I'm at 150 hours in Pokemon Moon, but I've been in 150 hours for like a month now. And like, I... The way I was playing it, I thought I would surpass or challenge X and Y, which has over 400 hours. But now it seems like I've hit the ceiling with that game, and it's 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 a combination of things that, doing that. But still, it's I don't know what's going on. And yesterday, before going to bed, like I had plenty of opportunity to just relax, play Dragon Quest, and instead I watched some Netflix. It's just I. I don't know. I don't know what's going yeah. on. And I yeah, I don't
0: know because I, like I said, I've had the same thing, um, like from time to time. And, and I'm weird because I, I get like I get in these phases. Like I think I think it was a eh? uh, Dragon Quest Seven. I think that's what started the whole RPG fix. Where I went through that one, then I went through Dragon Quest Nine. I went through uh, uh, Pokemon. Uh, what else? There was Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like I, I've been playing just a, a ridiculous amount of RPGs, and it's so funny because RPGs are like the one genre that I can't really play anymore because I, I've just got too much stuff going on and yet that's all i've done for months and months and months and months and months that's all i've done and i think you're right i think it was if i'd have to look but i think it was dating back to september of last year that'd be all of september october november or uh, maybe maybe not depending on when you know it got released but let's say september october november december january february that's six months man and it's weird but yeah i've gone through that before where i've I just haven't been in the mood to play anything. And with me, I've got to be very careful. Because doing the videos for the channel, that also does not help. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to play anything, you know? Like, uh, I, I want to play something for fun. Oh, no, I'm lying to you. This started with Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, it started with Final Fantasy VII, then it was I Am Setsuna, and so on. Holy crap! It's probably been, like, eight or nine months. All I've done is played uh, RPGs. Wow. So, yeah, for me, I think it's, like, that happens. I get that depression sort of feeling if I do too many videos for the site and I don't enjoy. Like, if I'm playing a game and I automatically, like, you know, set up a capture device or whatever, I'm not going to enjoy it. I won't. Because I'm going to be thinking, oh, okay, I got to go. I have to trim this. I have to edit that. And it's... I just want to sit back and I just want to enjoy a game. And if I can't do that, then that's when I start getting those feelings. Or at least lately, like I said, I think I've been getting these weird feelings of I want to stick with a certain genre. So I don't know when I'm going to break that, but we shall uh, we shall see. And I hope you snap out of it, because for Breath of the Wild, I need someone to uh, talk to about this game, damn it.
1: Yeah, I hope to. I hope to as well, because... I remember when that game was annou- was not announced, but was focused on at E3. We did the whole fanboys on that, and we were, especially me, was super excited about that game. And it's weeks away now, and like exactly zero hype right now for me. And I don't know Whoa. it's because of the Switch and the fact that I could care less about it right now. And I know that for most people that is a Switch game, and I'm gonna have have it on Wii U. So anyway, we'll see. We'll yeah, see, we'll we shall see. see, good sir.
0: Yeah, we shall. And now you may talk about your. Uh, I don't. This is weird. Why the hell did you put Project Scorpio in here?
1: I just thought we needed something <laughs> more to talk about. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so, and you skipped something, you bastard. But, I did? Yeah, Scorpio was supposed to be the ending, but we'll go with Scorpio right now. Oh, no, I, yeah, I leave the uh, okay, the okay, good okay. discussion. Don't, don't spoil the surprise there.
0: <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> what do you think of Project Scorpio?
1: I don't know. That's why I wanted you to talk first, but you're... Ah. But now I'll, I'll, I'll speak a few things. This is going to be interesting because I... I loved my original Xbox. I got it way late, but I loved Halo and I adored the Qatar series. And then when 360 came around, strangely, it became my go-to console. And I had a blast with the 360. And after that, for some reason, at the end of the console's life, I kind of had like, I fell out of it because I thought the, the, the the user interface wasn't as good as it used to be. Like achievements, would take time to load and stuff like that that doesn't seem to matter. But when you use a 360, after the first big update, everything was instantly there for you and it was just so brilliantly executed that I never thought I'd go back again. And now this gen, like my Xbox One, I have not turned it on in over a year now. And I'm planning on selling the thing. So I'm wondering, like, I know I'm in the minority here because the Xbox One is actually outselling the 360, which the 360 was a huge success. And I think people are really, really hyped for the Scorpio, although we don't know much about it. But I'm wondering what impact it will have on the games industry because at this point we can safely assume that the Xbox One will never catch up to the PS4, but doesn't mean that it won't... Uh, Outperform the 360. So, what will the Scorpio do? Do you think this is still like, kind of like what the pro is, the PS4, but a bit better, or do you think this is a whole new console?
0: I think it's a whole new console. I I, I think what Microsoft's going to do. I think their their sales pitch is basically because it, it looks like it more and more um, that Microsoft is uh. fundamentally changing the way they're approaching the console business now. I, I it at least from this recent year, it seems to me that they would like to merge their PC business and their Xbox business um sort of together. So um uh, like like there's no real need of buying an Xbox 1 now if you have a good PC unless of course of course you want to hand just the console like experience the simplicity and so on and so forth um but it seems to me like that's what they're trying to do so if you don't want to deal with a PC in terms of like all the things that you were mentioning before it's cool we have this nice console for you good to go thumbs up awesome sauce if you are like a, a PC gamer or you do have a PC Cool, we got all the games, all our exclusives are available. Work just as well as they do on the Xbox One. Thumbs up, enjoy, have a good time. Um, And I think what they're going to do, at least least this is my opinion, I think what they're just going to do is they're going to market it that the Project Scorpio, whatever they end up calling it, um, is essentially a PC, but they're going to say that it's the console experience, right? So in other words, you just take an HDMI cable, plug it into your, you know, 17K Ultra Omega Deluxe uh, HD screen, and you're good to go. But conceptually, 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 Jesus, um, I think that's what they're, they're going to go with. And what do I mean by all that? Well, what I mean is that I think in terms of Microsoft's point of view, there will no longer be a generation. That's it. There's uh there's never never going to be another Xbox generation. Um much like a PC. Right? There's no such thing. Uh, with PCs there is no such thing as like, oh, well, I got to get, you know, my next generation PC one could argue that, yeah, the chipsets change, every generation there's a new, you know, CPU technology, there's new this, new graphics cards, news, blah, blah, blah. But, okay, that's fine. But so long as the developer um, releases a patch that your operating system can still work with that game, that game will work just fine. So, case in point, let's say um, Knights of the Old Republic on Steam, right? Well, if I go out today and buy a $10,000 computer guess what? Knights of the Old Republic is going to work just fine. I'm not going to need to have to worry about, oh, you know, the backwards compatibility and this and that and everything else. No, no, it's going to work just fine. Now, granted, the operating system is typically what limits your game's functionality. In other words, if you have a DOS game today, obviously that's not going to work without some emulation and things like that on your modern-day PC. But that's what I think Microsoft is slowly going to do. And I don't know if I just made any sense to you at all But I I do think that they're going to stop using the. Well, this is a new console generation. They're simply going to say, no, no, this is the this is the new Xbox. That's it. You know what I mean? Like that's it. And if you have a PC, well, these are the new specifications that if you want to play our new games, this is the way um, this is the way it works, and it's full backwards compatibility for the rest of your life. It will always work. Every game that you buy. Starting with Xbox One's launch titles, until the end of time, they're all going to work together on the new box moving forward. Now, I understand that Microsoft said over and over and over again that they're not going to be releasing games exclusively for Scorpio. And guess what? They might not. It might be exactly like it is on PC whereas your laptop will still be able to run um, Doom, right? The Doom remake, it's still going to work. It's just going to be a little bit dumbed down in relation to someone who has this superior, you know, PC that offers all these sorts of uh, extra features, volumetric fog and lighting, dynamic camera, you know, all that kind of BS. And I think that's exactly what Microsoft's going to do because it gives them the flexibility to say, you know what, it's a much more premium package, Um, we're never going to release new Xbox hardware again in in the sense of Xbox 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. No, it's going to just be, you know, they might slap a name on it or whatever, but their sales pitch will be that every game that you buy will now last you forever because you're just going to be able to upgrade them more and more and more as we introduce new hardware every two years, every three years, every whatever. And the only reason I say that I think they're going to go in that direction is because of the move they made with the software. See, to me, that would make sense that they match the hardware like they did with the software. Whereas with Sony, I'm almost, like, man, I'm almost willing to bet you will see PlayStation 5. Whether or not it will follow that same model, where they'll say, okay, everything that you own on PS4 will transfer over to your next PlayStation, and it'll feature, you know, slightly improved graphics, or this or that, or everything else, I don't know. I really don't know. But with Microsoft, I really think that's where they're heading. And I could be totally wrong. I could be totally, totally wrong, but... um yeah. Do you think I'm crazy?
1: Well, the problem I see with that is that you'd have to buy new hardware almost every two years because while the games from the past will work forever, the game from the future won't. For example, if you have a, a PC from 1996, you're not going to be able to run Overwatch today. Mm-hmm. So the same principle applies to Scorpio. Like yeah, yeah. Game, well, yes and no, though. A game made seven years later or five years later worked on the scorpio when they have the another whatever they call it like the the bamboo in 20 well well that's 20.
0: that's what i mean like that's what i mean like look at steam right there's games on steam that are 12 years old um and you're right you're absolutely right a game today overwatch is overwatch going to work on a pc from 1996 no but will it work on a pc from 2010 yeah probably It's going to be dumbed down. You're not going to get the same frame rate. You're not going to get all the uh, the graphics and stuff like that. But chances are it will work. And that's my point. That's what I think that they're going to do, where they'll say, okay, we're going to have games that, like, say, five years, six years, something like that. So every, like, that window you have as a developer, you know that if you're making a game on Scorpio, you must have features in there that can be... Omitted so that it will work on the previous generation. Say for for the first, I don't know, two years, three years, something like that. And then yes, you're absolutely right that over time it could be their gimmick to get you to buy new hardware every four years. Let's say they'll never do two years. So you'd say four Android years.
1: Games from for the launch will work on Xbox One.
0: I do. I think they're going to be dumbed down just like on PC.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, that's why again. That's just my 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 prediction, if you will, let's hope we remember this interesting, yeah, because I think I don't see them wanting to come out and say, "We have a brand new console, this is it, because it doesn't seem to match what they want to try and do by linking everything to p c like they've just spent a buttload of money to to merge those two things together. to me, it would be a lot easier if they just like, the, the PC games that they're making, the PC ports, they have those options to lower the graphics to get them to work on weaker PCs. Well, why not apply that exact same concept to your own hardware? And that way you only have to make one version of the game instead of having to make a console version and make a PC version. You could just have one that's shared across the two platforms. Anyway, that's just me.
1: Okay, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to let you start with the next subject, because you made me start with everything since.
0: Okay, cool. So this is the final thing that we want to talk about today. This was uh, the main topic of the show, but I I think, like I said, we'll see, unless Stephen can come up with a wittier title. I think I'm going to try and get you guys talking about that gaming depression thing, because that's actually really interesting. But um, what do you want to talk about today was really interesting. It's games you disliked and then adored. And I am... at first, I mean, I just found out about this a little while ago. Stephen always does that to me, where he's like, hey, top five uh, list, let's go. Um, so with this, there was, there was one game in particular that I thought that was, um, that, that really, like, I use uh, whenever people are like, what kind of game did you, like, you weren't 100% sure of, and then you actually really went on to really enjoy it later on. Um, so I came up with two. One of them is the one that I... I this is my famous story, is actually Final Fantasy on the NES, believe it or not. Um, Back then, I was a Dragon Quest fan, okay? But what I liked with Dragon Quest, or Dragon Warrior, or whatever you want to call it, um, what I liked with that was it's sort of... I don't know. I don't know if it was like that cartoony, anime-type feeling it had. Um, What I liked was the fact that Y- you had classes. You had, like, a character that made sense. It was like, hey, well, this is your character. Oh, okay, cool. So I'm this, like, little yeah, hero guy. I'm going to go, and I'm going to destroy a big bad dragon. Cool. And the one thing that everybody loved with Final Fantasy is the one thing I didn't, which was the freedom to select the type of character you wanted to use. So you could have a fighter. You could have a red mage, white mage, black mage, etc., I actually really didn't like that. When I first played the game, I was like, this sucks. Because, like, I could theoretically make a team that's garbage. I don't know what's good. I've never played the game before. I don't want to invest, like, 15, 20 hours, you know, and only to discover that, like, this team is garbage. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, over time... When I realized that when chaos hits the world and all that sort of stuff happens and your characters evolve, then I started to really appreciate what Square was trying to do, where it was they wanted you to experiment with different characters and see how they would evolve over time. And eventually it would go on and it would become one of my favorite RPG series. But I always found that funny that I actually didn't like the freedom it offered when I first played it.
1: Cool. Uh, for me, my first game is a, a story that, I don't know if you remember this, but it's it's a, a drink box game, and these guys used to be buddies of yours until you screwed that up, still, to this day, your <laughs> yeah. biggest... Oh, yeah, we're, they the, were at my uh, wedding. ...of this site. I'm sure they would have been <laughs> if you ever decided to actually get married. This guy has been engaged for, like, 20 years. Quiet. <laughs> and... It's Tales from from Space Mutablobs Attacks. Really? You didn't like that? No, you don't remember? You gave me the code for that. I was supposed to review that game. And I played it for five minutes, and then I texted you, I hate this. I don't want to review it. And then you asked... Really? I don't code. remember that. You got it, and then you reviewed it, and you were like, dude, you're crazy. And I played it again, and I absolutely fell in love with that game. Did everything <laughs> there is to do with that, and I actually did a review, too, of that game was that game is amazing everything Drinkbox does is amazing but that one really made me took took notice of that uh studio and from now on it'll play everything they do and one day hopefully you'll get your acts straight together and get back in touch with those guys because they're canadians damn it we're canadian gamers we're supposed to be in touch with those it's your duty <laughs> it's my it's my mission in life yeah
0: That's it? That's it. Ugh, what a monster. How could you not like Mutant Blobs Attack? That's such an awesome game. All right, so I was struggling a little bit for my second one. I wanted... uh, I'm sure there's, like, thousands of better examples. uh, But one game that uh, I talk a lot about whenever the opportunity arises uh, is Mirror's Edge. I I say that, like, I was a really big fan of that. um, And I, I am. Mirror's Edge 2, I thought... Didn't fully live up to its potential, uh, but I I just really, really... There's something about that game that I really, really like. I like the universe, I like how fluid it is, and you really get this sense of awe when you go through some of the later portions, especially part two there was just like breathtaking some of it, uh, even though for whatever reason it causes my wrist to kill. I don't know <laughs> what the hell that's all about, but whatever. But the original Mirror's Edge, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, wow, that looks cool. That was what I did. That's what I said. But when I first, first played it, and I think I played it on the 360, if I'm not mistaken, um, I detested the controls. I was like, what the hell is this? Where you had, like, you know, like the the right trigger or bumper or whatever it was. Not right, sorry. Left uh, trigger or bumper uh, was to sprint, and then you had these other... Like, it was just, it was so bizarre the controls that i just was like really turned off and i was so disappointed because i was like god it 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 just looks so cool and i went back to it um a little bit later not not quite at launch there but a little maybe like a month or two later because i was like damn it man everybody's saying like you know this is a really cool game it's really unique and and this and that and and I actually ended up loving it. Like I was like, wow, this is amazing. The only problem with it is that uh, my wrist <laughs> absolutely kills me. So, yeah, Mirror's Edge was the
1: other one. Cool. For me, the second one I can think of is Resident Evil 2. And there are multiple reasons why I didn't like the game at first. The original one and most uh, obvious one is that I'm very scared of, do- of those games and I was very young when I rented Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation and I didn't understand it. Like uh, you you begin the game and there's like tons of zombies around you and you have a gun. It's really hard to aim. And so I kept dying there. Of course, you're not supposed to kill those zombies. But I didn't know that. Every time I have a gun in a game, you're supposed to kill people with that and shoot stuff. So I was standing there shooting every, everywhere. and The controls were really weird to run around and whatnot, so I kept dying. Couldn't get past the uh, the uh, the first screen in that game. That was all I had from my experience. So I did not like Resident Evil 2 when I rented it. Years later on the GameCube, however, when I bought the game, I had a blast with that. Then, of course, I had already played Remake and Zero, so I was used to the controls by now. I was a bit older, so I was a bit more able to play these games, still barely, but it was amazing. And then years, years later, I bought a game on the 64 and I beat it in one sitting and had a blast and was one of my most recent memories I have with having so much fun with a game. So... That's one of the games I'm really glad I gave a second chance.
0: I will pull a Steven. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, uh that was a that was a great game, man. I remember when you were just like really going back into um into Resident Evil and you were saying like Resident Evil 4 is the greatest game ever made and like you were just like hardcore into the series. And yet neither one of us played 7.
1: I did play 7. You did? In VR? Yeah, I I played it in non-VR too. I I didn't play it for long, but I played it.
0: Fine, (laughs) fine, fine. We didn't buy it. How about
1: that? Well, there's no point in buying everything nowadays. Well, that's it. Apparently,
0: there's no point in buying anything nowadays. (laughs) So, what about you guys? Let's let's ask the audience. What do you guys think? Uh, what are some games that you guys liked that, uh, well, not like, but games that you disliked that uh, you ended up either going back to or that you ended up just really enjoying? i uh, be curious to hear what you have to say. And I'm also curious about that whole depression thing. Do, do you guys have any any stories to share about that where, for whatever reason, you just, You know, you just stop playing games for either a certain period of time. And I just
1: want to mention, that I do not think that gaming depression is a bad thing and is in any way comparable to real depression. I just want to make that out there just so we don't sound like assholes there because, oh, no, no. gaming depression, like, it's it's nothing that bad. I just wanted to mention that. (laughs) Yes, no, no. mention that.
0: Yeah, good. Good on you actually, Steven. Very good on you. Yes, we're not total douchebags. That's not uh not at all. It's just it's the only thing it's basically periods of time where you just not you're just not feeling it. And um and it's just so unfortunate because if you don't snap out of it, by the time Zelda hits, I'm going to cry because I will have no one to share my glorious adventures with. <sighs> You better snap out of it, damn it. <laughs> All right, guys, so that's pretty much it. We probably have, like, around an hour now or so. So, um, cool. So tell Stephen some, uh, some way, shape, or form. Give him some household remedy of how he can snap out of his... Uh, his his current rut. We need him to be excited so that Jared has someone to share his Zelda stories with. Because we're just the coolest people in the world. We are. Yeah, apparently. Alright peoples. Thanks for watching. We'll uh catch you in two weeks, uh probably with the uh, a fanboys, but wait a second, before we get you going here, before you're off Two weeks would be the 26th. Oh, the, so that would
1: be. 600 podcasts would be fanboys because you have the Zelda and the Switch coming out soon.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: knowing us, like, we won't be able to talk about anything else. Like, Sony could announce the PlayStation 7 and we won't care. Exactly. Because we're exactly. A bunch of fanboys. Especially. Giant. Well,
0: I'll tell you this. I think it's gonna be quite an interesting fanboys. I'll be like, Oh my gosh, it was so wild, Zelda, like the opening, who would have thought that it was about this and that and really cool I was connected in and Steven will stay I haven't tried it yet.
1: <laughs> oh yeah it will be <laughs> and, it will be funny on the third oh, of, yeah. of March. When you unboxed that Nintendo Switch that you kept telling the entire world you're not going to get.
0: I, I, well, I do not have a pre-order.
1: We'll see. So There's still three weeks left or four. I'm telling you.
0: You heard so it here Stephen first, Laclau ladies and
1: gentlemen. Jared oh, I'm sure
0: it's a guarantee. We'll have
1: a Switch on day one.
0: And we're going to see. We're going to see. He says day one. I'll purposely get one on day two. <laughs> Just to screw with him. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so until next time take it easy don't forget leave us a comment uh, i'd love to hear some of the games g- that you guys uh didn't like and then started to like and i really can't wait to hear what kind of solutions you will give steven to uh, get out of his gaming rut it's going to be brilliant take care everybody
1: take care don't forget to brush your teeth